Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 80. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we are going to talk about light infantry stuff. Yes. Uh, the reason I say light infantry stuff is because we are looking at two opposing units um, with terrain, um, which is by definition light infantry stuff. Uh, I'm totally paraphrasing Mike Pannone from CTT Solutions, um, but that is what we're going to talk about, uh, and we're going to start talking about that by looking at um, a little bit more closely the McCloskey incident in St. Louis. So, guys, you know, the, these these two folks have, have just gotten, over social media, slaughtered from every side possible. Um, you have a husband and wife who are ostensibly gun owners. I, I don't want to get into their politics because everything I've heard is almost contrary to gun ownership. Uh, but it leads us to their current situation and some perspective on that event. Um, if you're a gun guy, you know, and you talk about how you do this and you do that if this happened and you do this and you do that, well, they did it. They, they, they did it. People showed up, kicked down the gates. The Hun kicked down the gates to the castle and, and, were, and were marching up the main street in the castle. Um, you know, they were in the keep. And, and the McCloskeys grabbed their weapons, went out and stood their ground on their front porch or their veranda or their whatever it's called when your house is that big. I wouldn't know. Um, you know, went out and stood their ground. Um, did, did they do it with panache? Nope. Um, did they do it with uh, an, an air of confidence and an air of, hey, I've trained and been there before? Nope. <laughs> um, did they make some mistakes? Absolutely. But, but they faced down a crowd of folks, which, you know, didn't, maybe didn't appear to be armed or didn't appear to be overtly threatening with whatever arms were present, but they were greatly outnumbered by a group of people who were obviously agitated and likely violent in a time where historically groups like that are hurting other people and doing damage to property. So... Despite the foibles and the mistakes, the one thing that I that that I you know the one thing I want to say is they they uh, they sacked up, grabbed their stuff, and went out and stood their ground and protected their property and themselves. Um, you know, so I I, I don't want to be too harsh on them. Everybody's out there talking about right now how yeah the police raided their house and blah 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 blah. Okay, the the police raiding their house versus your attorney advising you to to hand over a weapon to the police for an investigation or during an investigation are two very, very, very different things. A no-knock warning at 4.30 in the morning versus um, an officer showing up and collecting what is ostensibly going to be, uh, you know, State's Exhibit 7 um, in whatever trial may or may not come when this gets pled down from criminal menacing or assault um, to something very, very minor, like, I don't know, a broken taillight on one of the cars in the garage. I say cars because you got to have a lot of them at that house. Um, the, so what, what, what mistakes did the McCloskeys make um, other than, you know, just being entirely over, overly yuppified in their clothing um, and, and her putting her finger on the trigger and waving at everybody, including her teammate. I wouldn't say yuppified. I mean, they honestly look like the D-Boys protecting Schwarzkopf. <laughs> Fair enough, which was yuppified. Um, just, I mean, they were pop collars protecting Schwarzkopf. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, but anyway, so the mistake that these guys made, if you've ever taken a concealed carry class or a firearms training class, one of the things you're taught not to do is you're taught to not violate the four rules of firearm safety, one of which is 
do not point guns at things you do not want to shoot. Um, the, the finger on the trigger thing is just surely lack of knowledge, and I get that. That's a total noob, shouldn't probably be handling a gun at all thing. If Mr. McCloskey had simply stood on the front porch with his weapon slung, pointed at the ground, or pointed at the sky, or in some manner of re, you know retention position, not pointing it at the bad guys. I would, I would say even a you know a proper low ready position with yeah. the guns that pointed at the ground, thirty degrees in front of him, pointed yeah. at the ground. Yeah, what he there there would there would likely be no charges filed whatsoever on on him. She had no clue, but we won't get into that. Um, so so basically, when you if you take in any basic firearms class with a long gun, you would learn you know hey keep your muzzle pointed in a safe direction, um, which you know in in those of us who grew up hunting and grew up around firearms, that's a very, very basic thing. We get it. Um, but this guy wasn't walking point on, you know, the Ho Chi Minh Trail in the Nam, hunting down, you know, the VC. The, he was standing on his front porch in a very civilian environment in which no one else was pointing a gun at him um, or, or an immediate threat uh, to him. So standing there pointing a gun at everybody is either criminal menacing or assault or, or depending on what state you're in or what locale, uh, you know, a number of other names for basically the same charge. Um, it, it, it literally, if he just stood on his front porch with his weapon, at, you know, at port arms or pointed at the ground in a low ready or whatever, probably wouldn't have happened. Interesting little commentary. Um, keep an eye on this because I, I think you're going to see this very quietly fade away. I think you're going to see this pled yeah. to nothing. I don't think this is going to become any kind of a jury trial or anything like that. Um, but I would also say, like I said, back off of them a little bit. They, you know, they went out and did what, you know, so many of you talk about doing they now they've done it they can say hey yeah i've been there so. yeah um big takeaway from this if you have purchased a gun recently or know folks that have purchased guns recently uh, this is the big reason why we strongly suggest you go out and do the concealed carry training um, the concealed carry class in ohio is a how to not go to jail in the event you have to use your firearm to protect yourself class the most it's, basic of how to not go to jail classes generally but still yeah, yeah. Um, it is not a gunfighting class. Taking that class also does not re obligate you to actually go and get your concealed carry permit. And um, getting your concealed carry permit does not mandate that you will carry your gun at all times under all circumstances and engage all enemies, foreign and domestic. It simply says you now have a permit to carry a weapon concealed if you so shall choose on any given day. Yeah. Big difference. Big distinction. You don't have to carry your gun everywhere if you have a permit. You should. Um, be an American. Been American, so. Uh, but primarily, you know, having the the knowledge of when I'm allowed to use deadly yeah. force, when I'm not. Yeah. Um, how I need to to orient weapons, um, how I need to carry weapons, um, and whatnot um, is knowledge that can very. It will dispel myths and provide you with actual facts, on which you can you know base responses on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and in the world of ever-present cell phone cameras and in these events, ever-present media um, documenting, uh, you know, how bad the good guys are, but how good the bad guys are, um, those camera angles will never be in your favor. So you need to learn how to do everything right before this happens, not in the middle of it, because you'll probably screw it up like they did. So that's really the only thing they screwed up, though, in my opinion. Yeah. He, only thing he screwed up. She's, she's a dipshit, but we won't go there. So again, oh, uh, I, just, I just did. So, so that leads us back into 
small unit tactics. Um, this they, they were an element, and there was a much larger they element. Were, yeah, they were a yeah. two-man fire team. Yeah, uh, up against a much larger mob. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. my curiosity would be: I wonder how Mr. McCloskey would score on the DeFore carving test number three. Probably not well. Probably not well. You know what? Maybe better than me though, because I'm pretty sure I bone that. So. Uh, moving on to our next topic, yeah. we uh, we ran uh, with our training group with with one of our tribe, uh, group of our tribe. We we shot uh, as a as an actions on the objective. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. So we, we were working um, on one of the longer ranges that we have access to, um, doing some small unit you know shoot move communicate stuff, and to get everybody call it warmed up for that. Uh. Uh, or demoralized, or way. demoralized, or both. <laughs> uh, we started out with the DeFore carbine test number three, um, which is a ten-round course of fire. Um, I think it's officially supposed to be shot on SR forty-two targets. I have no idea what an SR forty-two target is. Mm-mm. So we shot it on yeah. full-size B eight targets. SR seventy-one is a big, cool plane, but I don't know what SR forty-two is. is so, yeah. um, the official course of fire involves starting at the one hundred-yard line. Three hundred. Um, you, is well, it, is you, do we do you run back normally? You normally like you're officially supposed to run back, so you can run on a ah, 200 okay, yard range. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, we actually ran it going forward because we started at 300 yards. Okay. We didn't feel the need to do an extra 100 yards of walking. Thank God. <laughs> so starting, starting um, 100 yards away from the 200 yard line, um, you sprint from that position to the 200 yard line, um, fire two rounds, um, sprint to the from the prone. Uh, 200 yards is from prone. Um, sprint to the 100-yard line. Fire two y- two rounds from the kneeling position. Um, sprint up to the 50-yard line and shoot two rounds standing. Um, sprint to the 25-yard line. Shoot two rounds standing, and then finish at the 10-yard line um, with two rounds from standing. Um, part time or hard cutoff time is two minutes. Yeah. Um- so th- this was this was one of those things. If you're old and beat up, um, you need to be doing your stretches and your little quarter mile warm up. Maybe bring a rower, row a quick 500, and get warmed up. Um, don't th- do a massive leg day. The morning yeah, don't before. do a massive leg day that that morning for your first day back into leg days in like a month. Uh, re- really good drill, guys. I I'm I'm willing to bet that the that my two dropped shots were at a hundred from kneeling, not from two hundred prone. And not from the the 50, 25, or 10. Yeah. But I managed to drop two shots, embarrassingly enough, a true statement, completely off the flipping target. Um, and if you've ever seen a B8 complete target, it's a good size target. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, my shots might have landed in China. They didn't land on the target for two of them anyway. The other shots were pretty solid. I was good with, with everything outside of the two. Uh, but it, w- it was pretty cool because, you know, we talk about trying to involve a little bit of stress, adding some stress, whether that's cardio or whatever the case may be, to get to get you moving and get you into this. Um, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, the running in this case was over pretty uneven terrain from 200 to 100 um, was interesting. Um, Inside of 100 was like yeah. broken up farm yeah. field with ruts and yeah, yeah. dips so, and it was nasty. It was good, clean fun. It was good, clean fun. Um, but I will say that it, it, it is for, for 10 rounds, it's, it's probably one of the most humbling 10 round drills I've ever done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good stuff. And we're talking about, you know, we've, we've got the last couple podcasts and the times we're in right now with ammo shortages. 
Um, if, if you wanted to know, hey, can I make things work with a carbine under some kind of stress, this would be a great entry into that conversation. Um, yeah. so how, how do you score it? Because, I mean, is it is it? It's score, it's 100 points possible. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. You need 80 to 80 or 85 to pass. Yeah, no, I didn't. I think it, I'll it, pull up the, I think it's still got the thing. Well, I'm quite too. certain that if you miss twice, it's almost impossible to get that unless you shot all X's the other way, so. Yeah, 80 out of 100 to pass. Yeah. So maybe I an SR42 is more forgiving than a B8. <laughs> knowing Kyle DeFore, probably probably not. not. Probably not. Um, so anyway, uh, we, that, that was kind of our opener uh, for for our for our night of shoot, move, communicate, uh, small unit tactics stuff. Um, really good drill, guys. Not a lot of rounds. Not a lot of time either invested in it. Um, and I would be really curious to run that drill. Like maybe take like run it, take five minutes, run it again, take five minutes, run it again, and see if you can get a little bit of little bit of uh, chasing some cardio issues on the second and yeah. third runs a little harder. Um, give yourself a little bit of recovery, but, you know, get, get back after it and see how that goes to see if you improve or if things go downhill or not, if you can buckle up or if the wheels fall off. So, but not, not, not that night anyway. So, yeah. Um, one, so we did this the first time through with a three man element. Um, the second time through with a four man element. Uh, if you got a wide enough, range you could have everybody just go as soon as they get done shooting um in our case we separated everybody by oh like gosh 15 yards maybe easily um but easily. we still held you know everyone at a yard line until all of the shooting was finished and then everyone advanced together yeah. Yeah. Uh, the expectation was you started to shoot as soon as you got in and got set up yeah but we tried to keep people from running well out in front of someone that was still shooting exactly which probably would have been the case um for sure so you know yeah if you're running this drill definitely with multiple people on the line make sure you're adhering to whatever range rules you're on and then also to maintaining dead space between shooters a, a safe space between shooters in a live fire environment and a linear movement environment so bear, bear those things in mind um again if you've never done anything like this before um, go, go seek a competent instructor who can run you through these kind of drills to do that. Um, Kyle DeFore would be a great place to start. Um, DeFore performance is pretty yeah. good. So, yeah. Um, you know, and also, you know, always bear in mind, you know, four firearm safety rules. Yeah. You know, all guns are always loaded. Never let the muzzle cover anything you are not willing to destroy. Mr. McCloskey. Keep your finger off the trigger. Mrs. McCloskey. Until your sights are on the target. And be sure of your target and what is beyond it. Uh, this is, you know, something that we, we'd like to think everybody takes for granted. Uh, but as we've seen in St. Louis, um, yeah. it's definitely not the case. You know, when we see new shooters in here, definitely not the case. And we start talking about sprinting, you know, with the long gun. Yeah. You know, how that gun is oriented uh, so that those rules are applied by uh, is very important. Yeah. And I, I will throw out, guys, um, something that I picked up. Um, that I'd seen a long time ago from a couple of guys that, that had real world experience with firearms, uh, but then was, was reminded of here probably in the last five years or so. Um, watch Pat McNamara, T-Max. Watch Pat run with a carbine or run with a rifle, run with a long gun. Um, he, he basically grabs the gun um, at the magwell or right in front of the magwell on the forend with his offhand or, or no, with the strong hand, either hand. way, but he yeah. doesn't, but it's not a, but he doesn't maintain a firing grip on the gun. He, he puts the gun in yeah. either one hand or the other, but just on the magwell or just in front of the magwell and runs with the gun vertically oriented, muzzle up and runs with the gun. 
and it's a very, very, very natural position to run in. Um, even with a slung gun, it's very natural to yeah. run in, and it keeps the muzzle pointed in a safe direction. And if you would happen to biff and eat shit, you know, the muscle's going down range generally. Um, so you've got control of the gun. Um, I, I forget where I'd seen that years and years and years ago. And for whatever reason, I'd gotten out of doing that um, and then saw it again. And it's just so much easier to run like that. I don't run well anyway. So anything I can do to smooth things out, that's a great way to, that, and that's just one of the ones that works for me. Yeah. So the thing with the, with Pat Mac running, you know, like that, the gun's a lot more balanced. Unless yeah. you actually swing your arms. Yep running, um, trying to run with two hands on the carbine, um, it totally breaks your upper body running and especially sprinting mechanics. Well, and maintaining a firing grip on the gun and keeping it muzzled down, um, same thing. you got to get your elbow up to get muzzled down generally with a carbine, and, and it just it doesn't work to run. It might work to move in a groucho walk. It might work to move in and around other people, but trying to run, trying to sprint, you need the arm motion. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, and one of the things that the, the four – Carbine test number three really breaks down as the difference in moving 100 meters yeah. versus moving 50 meters versus yeah. moving 25 meters versus moving 15. Uh, you know, going from the 25 to the 10, yeah, I'm going to keep both hands on the gun because yeah. as soon as I'm my foot is landing at 10, you know, my the gun should be on target and I want to be sending rounds off. Yeah. Um, going from two, you know, from the 300 yard line in our case to the 200 yard line. You know, the priority and the time to be found is in physically covering that 100, 100 yards or 100 meters of terrain. Uh, and then I still got to get prone and get set up. Yep. Um, so it's a little bit less important to have, you know, that master hand firing grip on the gun. Um, you know, grabbing the gun by the magwell and just hauling ass to get where you got to go is way more important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that that was the, that was the, like I said, that was humbling, and it was a really good use of ten rounds in a few minutes of time. So um, you want to move on to small unit tactics? Yeah, we want to. We got so um, r real briefly, guys. We're going to run through a few different things that we did um, in kind of loose terms again. Right now, we're talking about multiple shooters on the range. We're talking about multiple shooters. Um, moving in concert, moving with communication with each other, whether that communication is physically a move, moving command and response, or whether it's a, hey, um, I know, you know, I know number one element is up and back and set up, and so I hear him tacking away. It's time for me to go now, too. Um, so l let's start off with the three-man. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, as we'd moved as a uh, three-man element, we had a group of basically the old guys that were the, the, the slower guys. Um, and basically we chose to set it up and move, you know, one guy dropped back at a time. This was a fighting to the rear kind of conversation. Um, you know, one shooter would be up and back down in, in 15 yards or so. Um, unfortunately, some of the mistakes that were made, uh, we really stretched out. That lead shooter was not understanding a couple different things as far as the movement was concerned. So the bounding was way longer than it should have been. Um, and, and, you know, and some other concerns that were more around administrative things that were discussed beforehand um that that kind of created a little bit of improper movement improper cover improper fire things of that nature uh but we're overcome with a little bit of additional communication halfway through the drill finally yeah yeah um but basically you know one person moves when they're set the next person goes and then potentially the third person goes once that next person's up and moving um you know to kind of stagger that movement realistically if you're in a situation like this you, you could probably have, as long as one guy was firing, the other two could move. 
Um, you know, or, or you know, so so we you know we chose to kind of work our way through that. The three minute thing was something we really hadn't done, um, and probably could have table talked or, or or sandboarded that a little bit more before we started. Um, but it worked out just fine. It was it was safe and it was an interesting movement because most of the stuff you do is either like two people or four people moving in even elements or treating one of those persons as a single element and the other two as a single element. Yeah. So, um, which could put that one person in ammo jeopardy pretty quickly, depending. Correct. Depending. So yeah. Um, yeah. If you've written uh, or I'm sorry, if you've read um, John Wesley Knowles or Rolls um, Patriots, he talks about triads. Um, and using triads as a fighting element. Okay. Uh, so this is honestly like trying to thinking about how to work in threes um, isn't necessarily natural, but it is called like if you're depending on the size of your tribe, um, something you may want to consider. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Understanding how to work in a, in an odd element environment. And again, guys, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, small unit tactics, light infantry tactics, and it sounds a little bit esoteric, especially coming from, you know, two dudes who are two totally non-combat arms, military kind of guys um, completely. Um, but, you know, the reality check is hopefully you'll never need this stuff, but the world's getting kind of weird and just having a good idea of how to move with one or two or three other people is probably really, really advantageous should you need to. Um, so, and it's also good for the bad guy to see some coordination in his enemy and wonder if he should be fighting them. So, yeah. so um, do you want to talk more about three-man or move to four-man? Oh, yeah. I want to start on the, the three-man a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, you know, we had we had people spread out, you know, laterally 15 to 20 yards apart. Yeah. Um, going from 150 yards back to about 300 yards. Mm -hmm. um, all shooting at a, was an 18 by 24-inch piece it's, of steel. It's essentially it's a, a full-size Silhouette. Full size silhouette. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was there was lots of lateral dispersion. Yep. Um, that allowed for proper sized bounds. You know, we had people well outside of oh. danger. You know, yeah. for the for the first guy back had a good you know firing lane. Yeah. To engage with, um, and this is a case where you know it's really important um, that everybody understands the same meaning um, for the words that you choose to brief with. Yeah, um, and I would also say, too, that, you know, we we chose to do a three-man element thing, like I said, without really a table talk or, a, you know, a, a sand table, you know, mock-up or, or or even, honestly, a good brief of it is, okay, let's go do this. And basically walking up to the line under the heading of F it, we'll do it live um, was basically like, hey, you go first, I'll go second, you go third. Okay, cool. And that was our bounding. That, that was the plan. Um, the, 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 the communication end of it was the setting up and shooting to provide cover. And, and what's safe and what's not in a training environment. So, um, and the, the quote-unquote new guy um, ended up going first, which yep. I think caused some additional confusion. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and like I said, we managed to work our way through it. It worked out just fine eventually. Um, I, I like I said, there was nothing about it that, I, that, that was unsafe in any way, shape, or form in, in any range in any environment. Um, it just would have been a lot smoother um, if, if there had been better comms to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, and part of that, again, part of that comes because, um, again, we're preparing to be able to use these type of techniques in a very in extremist type situation Yeah. Um, where there isn't time to do that sand table brief. Yeah. Um, you know, whoever your tribe leader is or team leader needs to be able to say, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right now Yeah. and execute and yeah. everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music. Yeah. Yeah. Or be able to explain to a group of three or four people you, person A, are going to do exactly this, 
and person B are going to react with person A doing exactly that. Person C and person D are going to react off of persons A and B and do exactly this. <laughs> um, if you ever find yourself in that situa situation, um, Clint Smith used to say something to the effect of um, learning a new technique in the middle of a gunfight is not something he ever wanted to do. And I fully, fully support that. Yeah, learning, you know, so we, you know, so there's definitely something that was, it was, it may seem esoteric and hopefully, hopefully it is esoteric, um, but it's fun, it's good exercise and it's good use of the weapon, it's good training. So, yeah. 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 So, it's cool. Um, yeah, with the, the format element, um, again, we did the same thing with carbine test, where we split off by 10, 12 yards, um, you know, held everybody as we were going down, um. On the way back, you know, we split off into two two-man fire teams uh, with no central command. Um, you know, going from 150-ish yards back to 300. Um, this group, you know, we've done this. I think actually same fire teams multiple times now. Yeah, the, um, when you guys did this textbook. Yeah, it, honestly, yeah, it was it was pretty seamless. Matter of fact. It was almost over automated uh, for you guys. It was almost like one of those things like, okay, let's go do this. Okay, we're done now. Um, you know, I mean, there wasn't anything of significant note uh, to critique on that movement. So yeah. other than everybody was so used to each other that there was a little bit of maybe early movement. Um, and, that, and, and that was it. I mean, so yeah, it was actually kind of fun to watch. So yeah. Um, guys, one of the things you'll run into doing this kind of stuff too, um, and, it, and it doesn't matter what it's three man, four man, 10 man, whatever. Um, you only have so much ammo on you. Um, that was one of the things that you guys did because you guys, I think, were a little more heads up looking around. Um, the communication can be visual. You don't have to necessarily hear somebody saying something. You can look and see what everyone else is doing. Um, you know, that nonverbal comms, hey, this guy's doing this, so that tells me I need to do this. Um, there was a little more of that with you guys than there were with us, so I don't know. Ammo-wise, I don't think we used any more or less ammo, but we did it at a lot less stops because our bounds were overly large, but we were firing at a cadence that probably was unnecessary. Versus yeah. you guys were firing at a true rifleman's cadence, just doing enough to engage enemy, keep heads down, and let people move, while still being able to look around and, and keep better situational awareness. Would yeah. be the biggest comparison and contrast I'd make between the two. Yeah, I would say for both groups, like there was a lot of dinging steel. Oh yeah. Um, you yeah. know, rounds were going where they needed to, because um, again, we have so much ammo on our person, um, we need to get from where we're from the X. To somewhere you know off the X where we're able to fully disengage yeah. from whatever is chasing us um, in a break contact scenario such as this. Um, ammo is time. Um, I only have you know ammo is also weight. Yeah. Um, you know we talk about like the the MacV Sog recon team guys going in you know with six hundred rounds yeah. and twenty round mags. Um, if you haven't listened to John Stryker Myers podcasts or interviews on the, the Jocko Willant podcast, um, get on that shit. It is awesome. Yeah. Um, we'll really open your eyes to like what is possible with this small unit. Um, but again, you know, as, as civilians, you know, I'm not, those guys were carrying around 90 pounds worth of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm not capable of carrying 90 pounds worth of stuff. Yeah, well, I, I, I about guess here the, most of you guys are not as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can go 200 yards with just a sandbag on my shoulders at, at 100 pounds. I think I did that on Thursday morning, um, but that's not yeah. effective movement in any kind of terrain. That's yeah. walking through a flat parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, those guys are uh, a whole nother breed. Yeah. So um, yeah, be able to to make your hits. 
um, giving your, your teammates time to get where they've got to go, and then you know, moving as well yourself once they started to re-engage um, so that you're not just sitting there hanging out while they're burning through all of their ammo is it's critical. critical. It's critical. Um, you know, also, you know, doing these kinds of exercises in a safe manner um, with good supervision gives you real-world-ish kind of data on how much ammo does it take me to go X amount of distance with yeah. this many people. Yep. Yeah, and guys, also bear in mind, too, again, back to the ammo crunch thing, um, any of these drills could be done completely dry, no weapons. Um, any of these drills could be done with freaking Nerf guns, if you wanted to, for God's sakes. Um, you know, or, or even airsoft just to simulate holding a weapon and firing a weapon and maintaining a cadence and realizing that, huh, you know, how many pellets does this thing hold if it's a semi-real amount of pellets, not like a 500-pound hopper for your pellets, um, you know, then you kind of realize pretty quickly, wow, I'm out again, son of a gun, that really sucks. Um, you know, so you can train this with just with the old pew gun or you can train it other yeah. ways too. Or, I mean, 1022s with 25-round yeah. mags would get yeah. the job done. Yeah, would be close enough. So, yeah. So, um, do we want to get into the the two three man elements with the coordinated um, yeah. effort? Yeah. So this was um, we did we had two three man fire teams in this case yep. with a central squad leader, um, which was kind of new for just about everybody except for I think two guys that trained this down at Max Velocity. Yeah, and one of those um, guys wasn't there. Yeah. So so one of them, the guy, uh, the, the squad leader knew what, what was going on. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is where, you know, I wouldn't say things fell apart, but, you know, techniques, again, um, techniques were a little different. Um, expectations on definitions for terminology, terminology was, was different. different. Yep. Um, and, you know, that having everybody able to be, having everyone able to react the same way to a given command um, from your squad leader is vitally important. Yeah. Um, and knowing, like, okay, this just happened. This is what fire team A needs to do. This is what fire team B needs to do. And then being able to work um, formations yep. and move formations and then also combine formations. Yeah. Um, was We found was a lot more complicated um, than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the, I, the, my, my takeaway from that, and I said this in our debrief that, that night, was that we've got a group of guys who are pretty skilled. The shooting into this is nothing. I mean, shooting at steel, that big steel plate, 150 to 300 yards, that's literally nothing. That's, that's, that's the easy part. Um, you know, and, and out of our group of guys, you know, there's, there's some of us that could move better than others. There's some of us that are younger than others. Um, but even the movement aspect of it, the physicality aspect of it, really not a big deal for most of the guys in the group if they choose they want to do it that, that night, right? Um, the big thing that impressed me about our, our group that night was that when, when there was a lack of recognition of terminology or a lack of understanding of what the squad leader was trying to get us to do, you know, you got to you got to do something. You got to move and do something. And I I, I am, am am reluctant to use the idea of do something even if it's wrong. Um, doing something is better than doing nothing, right? Um, there's a combination of anything you do will get you killed, even if it's nothing. And then there's a combination of that corporate '80s mentality where we're going to move in some direction even if it's the wrong one. Um, those two things are very different ideas. But it, it in this case, our guys all have enough situational awareness and enough safety awareness that even when they did what they did that was wrong, it still wasn't unsafe. And it was still probably tactically sound. It was just clumsy. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was, it was kind of cool to see the wheels fall off in such a way that it probably still would have been effective. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, if that sounds like odd. A, a very unorganized, yeah. Yeah. you know, hostile. Yeah, first element. attempt. Yeah, first attempt, and yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the other I would say key takeaways with this night, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys running battle belts, guys running, you know, more civvy, low profile. This is my <clears> CCW <throat> stuff. I just grabbed <laughs> rifle mags, shoved them in my back pockets, and slung my rifle kind of set up. Uh, we started getting up and down and sprinting and. You know, maybe I've got a roll to get out from behind a barricade or a piece of terrain or something. Uh, pieces of kit started to fall off. Very dynamic uh, movement. We lost yeah. a a pistol out of uh, and inside the waistband. Leather, soft, fits everything, but fits nothing. Holster. Yeah. Um, we had a, a knife slide out of a scabbard, and I know I lost at least one mag out of a poly taco that wasn't fully snugged down. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody else. I think maybe one other guy lost a mag out of a pocket or out of a pouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, beware the tactical yard sale, you know. And I, I, you know, guys, we're not we're not the Ranger Regiment. Um, nobody's going to go through. You know, this isn't a this isn't even an Eagle Scout backpacking excursion where someone's going to grab your pack and shake the crap out of it to see if anything falls off of it. Um, you know, or like we said, you know, this isn't the Ranger Regiment where someone's going to go through and check all your gear and make sure everything's lashed down, dummy corded, etc. Um, and, and if you're going to do the, again, the screw it, we'll do it live thing. And this is how I run CCW. I'm going to grab my truck gun and go. That's cool. That's cool. But your gear still needs to be up to the task in that environment. And, you know, the, the conversation that was had was that, you know, it's great that the holster is comfortable. Um, and it's, you know, but not having serious positive retention, your gunfight may start with you getting clubbed from behind with a four by four by some dude in Walmart parking lot. And you hitting the ground in Walmart parking lot is no different than you going prone down on the deck on the range from a skin standpoint of if your if your gun clattered out there, it's going to clatter out in the parking lot more than likely too. So what's what's comfortable is great. Um, comforting is probably more important. And if that means maybe not quite as comfortable, it's probably worth looking into. Um, yeah. you know, and because something's worked fine for me for 20 years, um, when when it fails you when you're actually doing dynamic things, which you don't normally do that might be the beginning of a conversation for looking for a, another way to do things. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not Oh, well now I got to change everything, but it's got to put that little tickle in the back of your brain to say, Hey, maybe this isn't the best way. Yeah. Uh, there's a really, really good podcast on the John, Sh- John Shrek McPhee, um, Sheriff of Baghdad podcast, um, in his calls from quarantine episodes back in, I think it's like March or April. Uh, he's got an interview with one of the guys that does, isn't specializes in load bearing equipment, rucksacks, etc. Um, and it, it's awesomely like, honestly, it's probably the best sixty minutes I've ever spent listening and thinking about, you know, how I carry stuff on my person. Okay. And one of the big takeaways from that conversation uh, was that the the Eagle Industries soft sided drop leg holster that got issued. <laughs> From like 1990 yeah. through whenever the military adopted the Serpa, which will be a conversation for another time, yeah, um, is responsible for more lost weapons and the mandate to have a lanyard on your pistol in the military than anything else. Yeah, um, soft-sided holsters that don't have good click-in, click-out retention uh, are what lose guns. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah. So that you know, like I said, this this is a lot to throw in this podcast. Um, we, we normally try and keep them a little more brief than this, but there was really a lot of good information that came out of this training night. 
and I don't think it came from anywhere anybody expected it to. Honestly, yeah. the, the, the surprises were where things were learned and where things were recognized. Um, and there were more than a few. And, and, and honestly, again, it was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I talked a while back about a, a force on force uh, training that we did. Um, and, and I got surprised and I learned from that. I, I, I felt like I really picked up some things that I can carry forward from this training night. Um, so I was, I was actually really happy with this training night just based on the discomfort of some of the parts of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, you know, it's pretty easy given, you know, normal, like, call it marksmanship training, dry fire training, you know, putting in discipline practice at the range to get really squared away at the shooting part of the shoot, move, communicate triangle. Yeah. Um, the moving and communicating part, you know, moving you can sort of do on your own, um, provided you have the proper range facilities. And you know are squared away, or, or you do it dry, or, or you do it dry in your backyard, you know, or whatever, um, whatever, or, yeah, you know, in the basement or yeah. whatever. Um, the communicate part, you know, you got to have multiple people to communicate with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be able to to talk with your buddies on on Xbox or on PlayStation Live playing Call of Duty um, doesn't count. Um, it can help depending on who you're doing it with, um, but there really is no. Substitute. substitute for doing stuff in the real world yeah yeah uh, yeah i'd say if you're you know if you're serious about chasing these kind of small unit tactic skills um the two best places to do this as a civilian is going to be max velocity over in i think it's Culpeper, west virginia um, google max velocity um, training and then the high-risk civilian contractor classes down at tactical response in camden tennessee yeah, yeah, definitely some good options there to go go get knowledge. Um, again, hopefully stuff you'll never need, but really good, really good information. And honestly, again, quite a bit of fun. Um, a little bit of PT thrown in with it. Uh, oh, a whole lot of PT yeah, thrown was, in it was, with it. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. So cool. Yeah. Uh, on that note, check us out on social media. Uh, we are at Cap City Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Um, as we get inventory in, um, that's where it goes up first. If you see something on there you really like, um, call us with a credit card. We can hold it for you, um, provided that you're paying for it or putting a deposit down on it. Uh, sign up for our email newsletter. You can do that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to it. Uh, we are located in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're right in front of the Aldi's on Cemetery um, next to F- Louis Fusion Grill. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Be a better McCloskey. <laughs>